on today's show, the return of Oh So Curious, the show, we are going to be talking about Spider-Verse. I believe we're talking about Transformers Rise of the Beast, which is coming out next week. We will talk about the WGS strike, uh, which uh, might turn into soon and turn into a SAG and DGS strike as well. Um, but we'll start things off with talking about Spider-Man into the, no, not into the, across the Spider-Verse. Um, yeah, I always confuse those titles. All right, let's get the show up and running. So that was look? exciting. Like the <laughs> whole thing. I had I had shivers and yeah, mega. <laughs> I yeah, really I, I had done. some jitters. Like, you know, I was like, oh no, it's one, three, two, one, and I had to like count myself down. I'm not used to doing that. It's been like half a year. Literally. When you guys are off camera and you have to get back on camera, it's always like a second of like mm-hmm. I remember my first audition back after like a month and a half was like Yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, today we are kind of changing up the format. We haven't really done this show in a long time. So we figured when we bring it back, one of the things that we wanted to do was kind of simplify the format a little bit. We wanted to go from talking about like six different things and, you know, having all these intricate little, you know, formatting things to doing something that's more like a podcast, you know, like we want to have a good conversation. We want to focus on a couple of good topics and really just, you know, dive a little deeper into each one. So uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, two movies and Mm -hmm. we're going to start off by talking about the movie that is brand new this weekend. It's making a lot of money. It's also making a lot of critics and audiences happy. It's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, it's the second of what is to be a trilogy. The, the first movie came out a few years ago. The, the third movie is set to come out next year. They've been working on the second and the third one kind of back to back. And now that the second one is out, it's a hit with critics. It's a hit with audiences. It's, 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 it's at least as good, according to people, as the first one, if not better. Um, so let me put up this graphic here. We're going to review this movie. But the question I want to start off by asking you guys right off the top. Uh, is this the best Spider-Man movie of all time? And um, first, I'm going to ask Mags. What, what do you What do you think? Yes, I. Okay. I mean, after seeing the first one, though, because up until watching the first one, like I wasn't quite sure which um, whether that would be the best one. But it was like after w- having seen the first. So um, was it Beyond? Beyond no, the Spider-Verse? into Across Beyond. There you go. Into Across Beyond. So Into the Spider-Verse was, um, was really, really good. And it raised uh, the bar up there. Mm-hmm. But what, like, I, I saw after, like, after watching it yesterday, I realized that they actually do know how to do a franchise. It gave, it gave me this Empire Strikes Back yeah. kind of nod in terms of that they they took the franchise they they've managed to still be entertaining within this film through a bunch of references and memes but then at the same time they still managed to make this film good like on its on its own and it works within the the universe within this franchise and as a standalone 
movie. And I know Angelina has a completely different opinion um, to it. So what what was wrong with it? That being said, like, I feel like to even get to the point that we are, the fact that Sony and Disney have really made a good deal to, like, move this franchise forward after Sony, you know, the Tobey Maguire franchise did so well. But then after that, we didn't hear from Spider-Man for a long time. And now Spider-Man sort of reintegrating with the Marvel Universe. Like, I feel like they've done just a really good job of taking Spider-Man and sort of evolving it. And also, I do feel like they did a really good job on the metaverse, right? Like, they did explain it well. It wasn't messy. It wasn't like, it wasn't all over the place. They had a set plan. You could tell that they really, it was really well thought out and you could see all of these different fragments because that's not like something little, right? That's like a huge, huge ordeal. That was a lot of time. That was a lot of writers. That was a lot of time going into writing the script in a way that would make it all make sense. And so they did a really good job of that. I just thought the movie was way too long and it didn't need to be that long. Like I was like kind of excited for the movie to be over. I'm like, Mm. please tell me we're going to stop soon. Like it's just, Mm. I just feel like when you go into that much depth and that much detail, you, there were a lot of holes and there was a lot of filler that I don't think we needed because it was already so much detail and it was already so much this, like I didn't know why they took time on certain things. Like, I don't think it was necessary. They, um, I remember you mentioned that you haven't seen the first one. And I yeah. think that's maybe where you feel like there was just way too much through in there because yeah, after seeing the first one, you sort of understand what they have to, what they had to like kind of diverge into certain things. And it, mm-hmm. I completely understand your point because um, as I said before, like with, with the prologue, I just couldn't, get into it I couldn't like spoiler alert I could not care less about Gwen's backstory because I was here mainly for Miles Morales but it was at the same time it was really nice to to see her backstory and sort of understand her motives and why she can't go back home etc etc it definitely like deepened the relationship we have with every single character and um, like managed to like set the set the film straight yeah. and open up the new chapters sort of thing. Like it, it, it paid attention to the first one. It it was like a film on its own. And then it, it made this nice transition into like the the third one, I, or at least that's how I felt. Um, I also like I didn't, know- just, just one more thing that like, no. I didn't feel like I was cheated um, of like a movie experience. Like I've, I had a solid beginning, middle and the end. Mm-hmm. I was able to see the relation to the first one. I was able to, to be deeply entertained, but there was just so much of it. And that's why I can, I agree with you, like yeah. in a weird way, like it is a lot. It's yeah. a lot, but I personally didn't get sick of it. Yeah. So maybe what I need to do is go back and rewatch the first one. Like, overall, I think it was a good movie. The reviews are saying it's a great movie, everybody. I feel like I am maybe one of the outsiders in this. And I feel like over the course of Oh So Curious, I am typically like a definitely go see this movie girl. I didn't feel that way about this movie. Yeah. Like, you can go see it. I (laughs) I don't care one way or the other. Um... So it's like a little out of character for me to not like love a movie. I I I didn't love 
this movie. It was kind of whatever. But the reviews, y'all, the reviews are like popping. We've got like a 93% Rotten Tomatoes score, which compares to a 95% Rotten Tomatoes score on Into the, what is it called? I'm like confused on all the names now. Uh, so the first one got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. This one is a 93%. This movie is also slated to make $113 million by the end of the three-day week opening, which is nearly as much as The Little Mermaid and way more than they thought that they were going to make initially, mm-hmm. which is incredible. I don't know, was your showing packed? It was packed. But yeah. I also paid attention to the demographic and oh, yeah. it, there was no kids. I mean, no. it was Friday Friday evening, but it was mainly 20, 30 like millennials, Gen Z, but yes. not younger than that. Um, so, which was I, strange because I, I maybe it's like I mean it is. It's more more of an adult cartoon without having those jokes. But I think it. Um, if you take a kid to see it, I don't think the kid will get a majority of it, and it might be actually even too much in terms of like the sensory experience. It's a lot on the eye. Good point. Yeah, I was like, there's a lot going on because each universe, which I do, did they do this in the first movie? Did you realize that every, every sort of part of the metaverse, they had their own like graphics? Yeah, their own style. Like Miles had his own graphics. I thought that that was really brilliant. So the the juxtaposition between the sum of them, like I really like Gwen's kind of universe with the pinkish tones and stuff. Changes and then, based on the mood, which reminds yeah. me of the comics, which is really cool. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when they get to, you know, transition and stuff. Like, I mean, we can agree, like, visually they outdid themselves. But that's what that was actually yeah. also my thought. Like, very soon I was thinking, can you go bigger? And actually, you can go bigger. Yeah. And it might have been a bit too, too much, like, too overload of... Like I was, I was depleted after watching this film. I went to sleep. <laughs> not good. <laughs> that was not good. Um, no, what is so funny is I was actually thinking the same exact thing, and I went to go see it in the morning. I was supposed to go to the nine fifteen a.m. showing, which I was surprised that there was one this early, probably to make room for the children. Yeah. I ended up going to the ten fifteen. There were no children in my showtime, like at all. And the so there were no kids. It was pretty packed. It was all essentially Gen Z millennial. Have all. you seen any marketing? I mean, before Dan sort of pitched that the idea of going to see this film, have you seen any marketing about it? Because I had no idea they were making the sequel. I was a, I was a big fan of the first one, but in terms of marketing, like. I, I had no idea. If I have seen anything. That's what. Yeah. Really I don't think I, I might have seen maybe one thing on social media but right i haven't seen anything i didn't even think about that i so. because because of the titles i might have seen something but mm-hmm. i thought they were the same movie i thought they were just like reusing the old old stuff um well that's so, yeah. also huge because the little mermaid obviously opened last weekend and that marketing was all over the place right. and the little mermaid is I mean, had like a record-breaking opening weekend, but that's nearly as much as Spider-Man. So the fact that Spider-Man has really come through without any marketing to sort of comparatively almost almost <laughs> hit the numbers that The Little Mermaid did is pretty, pretty awesome. That Critics pretty are awesome. loving it. 
even the critics. What did they say? Uh, so it's hard to follow up such a, sorry guys, I'm like in your face. It's hard to follow up such a success, but across the Spider-Verse, the second of a planned trilogy takes the action and the story to the next level and may just be a superior film. What once seemed brain-bendingly original now seems over-familiar. Ooh. Yeah, I, Ooh. I can see that comment, actually. I That's why I was, I was a bit bored at times as well, but... Yeah. Um, one thing that I should actually notice, uh, mention before we move on, is that I really liked how they managed to, I mentioned this, make a film stand on its own and then discuss Miles Morales kind of thing and his thing about Spider-Man. I don't want to get into spoilers, that's why I'm speaking gibberish like that. But then at the same time, they managed to sort of discuss like an over going issue and the destiny and the mission of a spider-man as a as a brand between as like a whole, yeah. as, a as a whole as a story because as as we find out spider-man doesn't have to be even like a person it's uh yeah it can be anything and i thought it was really really well done that that, whole... that... sorry did they do that whole batman like the dark knight thing it's like in batman begins where he's like like if I have, a, if I wear a mask, like I can become an idea, like, you know, and by the end of that trilogy of movies, Batman is not just a person. It's like more of a, it's, it's like an ideal to strive. Yeah. To some, yeah. It was more about yeah. also uh, Spider-Man's kind of plots, how there's different stories addressing different characters or different emotions and different experiences that Spider-Man has to go through. And, um, they've managed to take it all and discuss it in this film, which I thought was really clever. Um, I, yeah, I definitely yeah. have to agree with you there. Like the details of the metaverse and how they wove it all together is, it is exceptional. They did a really good job. Yeah. I feel like Marvel was the first sort of overarching franchise to really create the metaverse as like, as an overarching idea. And you mean I, the multiverse or multiverse? There you go. But like, okay. you know what? You guys can't make fun of me. Like it is. I know, I'm not trying to make fun. I just because the metaverse is like a whole. I d I didn't even react to it, so don't. Yeah, worry. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But overall, like, I feel like Marvel was the first real sort of overarching franchise to create this connectivity through all of these different films, and I feel like this takes it a step further, doing it within one sort of overarching Spider-Man ideal, as you guys mm. call it. And I think that's a really good point. It's Spider-Man has become more of an ideal versus Spider-Man as one person. And I think they had to do that in order to make the franchise last. And I think it's a really good point yeah. to the sort of half-life of a superhero. You can't have one actor play a superhero because that actor ages. That actor can't yeah. for that amount and of it, time. It's not even that like they, they literally undack a whole, every studio or every IP yeah. that has ever touched Spider-Man and arrived at this deadlock because of the continuity. They've managed to essentially give an explanation to everyone yes. on why that is. And, and it, it's it, brilliant. And it was it's mentioned so in very indirect way in there and it was it just worked yeah so you know you're saying you know i mean trailer, just... i just wanted to say in the trailer that they have that little i'm not 
maybe it's one of the trailers or maybe it's one of the um, promotional like ads mm -hmm. that they put out there they have that reference to oh don't even get me started about dr strange and that spider-man and yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. it was mentioned mm. <laughs> so there was yeah. more of that you're saying like because i haven't seen the movie yet so that's why i'm asking these questions it's like there was, they, they really well, vent there's actually on one there's one and this is a little spoiler but it's not big it's there is one moment where you can physically see all of the different peters from all of the different universes across the screen and they're showing graphics from old movies and stuff like that essentially trying to create the link and so it's very very obvious that they're all the same but they're all different it's really it's really beautiful it's really brilliant and so each one like has its own oh so you can't even see my hands right each one has its own little graphic like you see clips from the original toby mcguire spider-man and then you see clips from the newer spider-mans and then you see clips from it's insane but they're yeah. all at the same time and it's really like that is it's really well thought out it's really laid out it was just a lot of information. Like they, they've explained why some characters die, why certain faiths, certain destinies are for mm -hmm. Spider-Man, why he dies yeah. even sometimes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, so it's, really it was very clever. It. Like mm -hmm. it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But they also it, make a huge point. I mean, the basic premise of this movie is Miles Morales is, is, and what we'll see in the next movie is he's trying to overcome his destiny. That's just all it is. That's like, it. He's trying yeah. to overcome like his destiny and his destiny across all of the Spider-Mans. And that's why you see it laid out is there are certain canon events that happen in every single Peter, like Spider-Man, Peter Parker universe. It's all the same events sort of that are laid out amongst all spider -Man. So we're doing, hang on, full-on spoiler. Now it's like, oh, biggest spo spoiler alert. I, mean, I don't know if that's the biggest, right? <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> but it's just, uh, just throwing it out there that like, we're going very deep now. So I, yeah, uh, I think carry it's on. Very broad thing. Nobody knows really what's going no, on. What's going on? We've been talking but, about this for long enough now that if, if, you, if somebody's watching and they've been watching this long, yeah, I mean, eventually we'll get to some spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I did read somewhere, I forget which article, but recently, I think for the, one of the promotional tours that, you know, the studios do, Avi Arad, who is like the head of Sony, like uh, he's one of the senior executives at Sony, and he's been involved with like Marvel stuff at Sony for decades. He mentioned that they're definitely in the future working their way to like a live action Maz Morales, uh, whether it's a solo movie or some other kind mm. of, you know, collaboration, like, you know, he crossover right. or something. And the way you guys are describing this movie, uh, again, for somebody who hasn't, I actually will admit it, I still haven't seen the first one either. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I didn't go see like the midnight screening yesterday because I was tied up with work yeah. and I was like, let me just go watch it. But then I'm like, oh, but I haven't seen the first one. Um, like I know the gist of it though, but like, you know, I was like, I still want to watch the first one before I go see the second. I so, based off of someone who did not do that. Yeah, yeah. You, sh you should. There's like a lot they, of room for yeah. sort of like, huh? Because but, it works on its own, yeah. but at the same time, I think it does fill up a lot of gaps. Like a lot of those moments when you when you feel that, yeah. hey, this is too much. I don't need to know anything about this character, or it's too late. It was more like, hey, like I was in in the first one, so it it serves the the fans as well, which mm -hmm. which is nice. They went yeah. trying to just attract the new audience. And and. 
I have a question. I, I just kind of, I know the movie, it, it's got what, I, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes right now, it says like 97% or 95%. It, it might not, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes says 95% for critics and 97 for audience. So, um, and it's got over 240, it's got 242 critic reviews and over 2,500 audience. So those numbers are probably stabilizing at that level now. I mean, they may go up or down by one percentage. I feel like but, every time I've looked at the new stuff, yeah. it's going up. People really love yeah. this movie. The box office numbers have updated since last night when I checked the movie was only projected to make a hundred million by the end. Now it's it's projected to make over a hundred. I pulled up this article this morning when I was doing show notes, and it was like forty million that it was pulling in for opening day. And then they were yeah, looking I at saw that one. Maybe a hundred million for the weekend, yeah. and then like at the time we start the show, they've updated it, and so now the projections are like over one hundred thirteen. Oh, so okay. yeah, I mean, you were talking about the Little Mermaid earlier. It's 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 gonna definitely. Get close Beat to those. Down. I forget the exact opening but I number. Mermaid, also, but... think that that really, really shows the sort of devotion of the audience wanting to go see this movie. Because, as we said, there wasn't a lot of marketing for this movie. I don't even want to know how much of the Little Mermaid's budget went to marketing that movie. I saw marketing everywhere for that movie. And so yeah. for, for the last what two years as well. Yeah, That's and so thing. for the comparative yeah. like box office opening weekend date m- numbers, I'm like, clearly the Spider Verse yeah. is turning out more than the Little Mermaid peeps. I mean, look, here's the thing: the Spider, by the way, just just as a little quick tidbit of statistics, if you look at the trilogy of Marvel, MCU Marvel has mm-hmm. done they've now done trilogies for like half a dozen of their heroes, including the latest one to complete a trilogy were Guardians, and then before that, Ant-Man. They've done Captain America, Iron Man. But the highest grossing trilogy of movies in the MCU, I, I believe it belongs to like, Avengers. Spider-Man. Probably. Oh. Well, not excluding the Avengers movies. I'm talking about individual heroes. Right, uh, obviously, okay. the Avengers are the highest grossing trilogy. of. They actually got four of those. But the highest grossing trilogy of a superhero in the Marvel MCU is the Spider-Man, not Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And... With the Spider-Verse now, mm. I mean, the first movie made respectable money for like an animated film. This one, it could get go north of $500 million as well. But looking ahead, Avi Arad said they might be, you know, turning uh, Miles Morales into a live-action character. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of following I on that. I hope not. <laughs> I want to ask you, because the third movie in this franchise is called Beyond the Spider-Verse. Now... Mm-hmm the word beyond is what I'm hanging on to here. And I want to pose a question and feel free to either of you guys uh, want to answer that. Where do you think this, this franchise is headed? Once they do the three movies, do you feel like they, they see a way to connect this to a live action franchise, whether they cross it over with Tom Holland or, or they, I don't know, they bring Andrew Garfield back. They, they cross it over with the live action Venom. They did tease, when I'm at the end, didn't they tease it? Or did, they, no, 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 they teased, at the end of the first Venom, they teased into the Spider-Verse in one of the post-credit scenes. Like, it, it was something like, oh, meanwhile, in another world, and it was some um, kind of a little... I, I'm just going to call it, they'll probably find a way to transfer the cartoon Miles Morales into, like, the real world, and that's going to be, like, a connection. 
So I'm I just going like to. They've already laid it. the grounds for that sort of integration yeah. based off of all the graphics that we saw. Like you remember yeah. that one scene, you're seeing like movie clips. I feel like they're going to figure out a way to integrate it. Whether yeah. I know. I mean, but it's, it's a shame. Speculate without sharing too much, right? Because Beyond yeah. means so many things, and I think, I think the Beyond refers to Miles like overcoming his like set destiny, but Beyond could mean the luck. he, yeah, like Beyond could mean that he's in into the real world. Essentially, like I don't, I don't know. That could mm-hmm. go so many different ways. Well, I mean, we don't have to wait very long for the third movie to come out. It's only a year away, it seems like, right? It's, so, I'm, I'm yes, um, it's March. For, yeah, March 2024. It's a big quick turnaround. Wow. Not even a year. Okay, so yeah, well, I mean, this movie, we can, I think, all agree, even for somebody who hasn't seen it, 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 you know, if you go by the reviews, you go by the box office numbers, you go by the word of mouth. It's 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 not if not it may not be the best movie that the like uh, for Spider-Man film of all time. I mean, there are people out there calling it the best superhero movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know some people are considering it the best Spider-Man movie of all time. That all I think the mileage will vary for everybody. Like clearly on our panel, like the two of you have very different views on this, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. I think movies are uh, subjective, so each person sort of has their own take on it. Um, I personally am. Uh, from this conversation only more and more so looking forward to seeing the movie so hopefully i'll get a chance to see it really soon i'm gonna find the first one somewhere it used to be on netflix but i'll have to find it and then i'm gonna go see the second one uh this week um, and I, i'm looking forward to the experience because i do enjoy the animation style i think that's what impressed me the most when i first saw the trailer i think you're gonna pick the graphics yeah honestly yeah absolutely and that's so, why I'm- I'm actually yeah. not looking forward to the live action that much because I think part of what, you know, makes it great That's, is the fact that they have the freedom yeah. of everything. It's kind of so like The Lion do. King. I pref- still prefer the original, even though the yeah. new one looks like, you know, the best nature documentary you've ever seen. Um, but it's it just, I don't know, like it doesn't have the same level of, like it, it's not as emotive, you know? Like I, I, I think if they do that, they're going to be limited in how many characters they pull over. Like they're going to be limited in whether or not they bring Gwen over or whatever. Like they're not going to be able to switch between the two if they do a full live action remake. Yeah. Like they're going to be limited on the amount of the sort of metaverse that they show. I think. Well, um, with with that, let's let's put a metaverse. Metaverse. We're 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 gonna go off into the metaverse ourselves, and you should go to the <laughs> and go watch Spider Man Spider Verse, and then go check out uh, across the Spider Verse in theaters right now. Uh, right now we're gonna, <laughs> right now we're going to take a break, and 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 we'll be right back. Bye. Hi everybody, I am Angelina and today we are going to be talking some Dungeons and Dragons. And no, I do not mean the tabletop game that I have never played in my life. I probably shouldn't have admitted that. We are talking Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, the 2023 reboot of the Dungeons and Dragons movie releases. So far the reviews are holding up a whole lot better than they were for the original three series movies that were released between 2000 and 2012 featuring Justin Whalen, Marlon Wayans, and then a handful of other early 2000 actors. All of them were box office flops. They did not do well. This movie is holding up way better. We've got a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. We've got 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is 
pretty good. And then we have a 72% on Metacritic, which as Metacritics go, I'd say this is pretty good. We have a star-studded cast, including Chris Pines, Michelle Rodriguez, we have Justice Smith, we also have Sophia Lillis, Daisy Head, and my personal favorite, Reggae Jean Page. Beautiful man. He even plays a beautiful character. Overall, I really like it. I would say my biggest holdup with this movie is that Chris Pine plays the same character that he always does. Truly, always. Uh, the script is quick, it is witty banter, it is funny. There were tons of giggles in the theater, although there weren't many people in the theater, I'm gonna be really honest with you. And overall, the feeling after you walk out of the movie is elation, it is, it is joyful, it is fun, it is quippy, and that's really all I think it's meant to be. A lot of people have mentioned that it was like a true immersive experience as far as being like straight out of a D&D &D campaign. From what I know about the game, I would say that this is true. I've never played the game. Never did that. I don't know. It is what it is. Maybe I will now. Overall, the script is really good. The storyline works. There's no major plot holes. This movie, if you take it or leave it, is kind of just like fun. Go see it with your family. Go see it with your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. If you're really looking for a story, I don't know if this is it. It definitely set everything up for a second movie. I would also say that we are gonna be seeing a lot more of Reggae Jean Page. Overall, it's a good movie. It's not a great movie. It's giving that sort of Marvel quippy humor. It really reminds me of like Chris Pine and Star Trek, truly. It, it was giving me massive Star Trek vibes. Stop it! it is beautiful coloring as far as the sets go. I like the overall shooting style. I like the scenes. I like the artistry that went into it. I like the voiceover work. Uh, and, and truly the script made me giggle. Like it was just, but it was there to make you giggle. It's not really there to make you think or anything like that. So Dungeons and Dragons, my ultimate rundown is go see the movie if you just want something fun and lighthearted and you don't want to have to like think too hard. Sometimes I don't always want to like think and be exhausted when I leave a movie. So this is perfect for that. It's perfect for a good family night out. I think we'll definitely be seeing more Dungeons and Dragons movies with this star-studded cast here soon. They've certainly set it up for that. And spoiler alert, nobody dies, which is kind of awesome. I feel like I always watch movies where people die. So this was a nice change of pace. Thanks everybody. Have a good day. All right, we are back. That was a fun review. I particularly always, every time that review, uh, I watch it, I love the reggae John Jean Reggae Page. <laughs> yeah, yep. That was my best part. Um, that was my favorite. That's so good. Um, also, Mags, it's funny because this movie seems like the exact opposite of how you felt about Spider-Man. I was like, I walked out of this movie feeling like revived and like, I was just like, wow, so happy. And you, you're like, after Spider-Man, I was like, exhausted. <laughs> Mag, you're muted, by the way. Saws. Sorry, guys. Um, such a mistake. No, I've heard great stuff about Dungeons & Dragons. I'm a huge fan of the tabletop, so I really need to check it out. And I really loved your review. Oh, Sorry. thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, I really enjoyed the movie. I was just like, cool. I, I think I volunteered to go see it because I, I love Reggae Jean Page. Mm, fair enough.
I it was it was also like a fair comment on I feel like everyone's dying recently in the movies and that's actually a very yeah. fair point. There's just so much grotesque um stuff happening on the screen. It's nice when they actually cool it down once in a while. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. You know, it's just Dungeons no, and Dragons. Uh, what else dragons. girls can talk about? <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. I loved it. It was good. Yeah, I um actually one of my best friends, her her partner was the marketing for all of Dungeons and Dragons, which is super cool. cool. And they did um, in LA, they had this really cool billboard that was like a 3D billboard. So it had like, you remember the old school books that like popped up? What what are those called? I don't even remember. You know what I'm talking about? You open the book and like, it creates like a sort of like a 3D image in a way. It's like- I don't you know. mean the Dungeon Master. Whoever is not playing, they have like- um... No, not even in D&D. I just mean like oh. in general, like you, you pop open a, like a, they had children's books and it would like pop up some of the cardboard in order. Oh, to yeah. So right. they did that for like this huge billboard, but it was really cool. It was super cool here. In That's LA. really cool. Yeah. Wow. What is that called? Does anybody remember? Like a three, uh, I mean, but I know exactly what you mean. They do those for yeah, kids and stuff for toddlers. Exactly, especially. you open the book and then like it projects outwards. I just don't remember what it's called. I, mean, I always I, used I, to destroy them when I was little. <laughs> yeah. I would rip it apart. <laughs> like, so this was on a huge billboard, so nobody was doing that. But yeah, one thousand percent. The only thing I can think of is um, I can uh, I can I just keep thinking of uh, Stranger Things, the newest season. And how Dungeons and Dragons mm. was like a big I part of that. Literally, cannot wait for the next <laughs> season. It's going to be the final season. You guys, I didn't watch Stranger Things for four years, and then immediately after the, yeah, immediately after the last season came out, I watched the whole season. When I was healing, because I had to take like three and a half weeks off, I rewatched all of the seasons again, and I loved <laughs> it as much the second time as I did the first time. It is probably my favorite show of all time. Wow. So. Certainly, I think uh, some people might say House of Cards still, or or I guess at this point, people probably nah. don't. My favorite White show Lotus. definitely is and, and, yeah. su- and Succession, which sadly oh. ended. Well, well we I mean, like on, on Netflix. Like, well, on Netflix. HBO, you know, there's so, so much. Many- H- yeah, it's like a completely out. different league. HBO yeah. is yeah. its own thing. Oh, you Netflix. Can, you can count things on two hands and still have like what like I didn't count probably 10 more Mm. there was one character in house of cards I always used to get compared to when I was in high school like my teachers would be like oh my god you look just like it I'm like huh I've never seen the show what I don't know who it was but speaking speaking of shows um that are ending or may not be starting or or coming soon Stranger Things is one of those shows that Mm -hmm. uh, is currently not in production because of the WGA strike and that's what we want to spend a little bit of time talking about. Not a ton of time. I know it's like it's a more more of a dour topic in the sense that you know it, it means talking about people not being able to work because of the strike and the fact that um, soon the DGA and SAG may also be striking. So it could be like a triple strike that if if Hollywood isn't paralyzed enough from the WGA strike, you can only imagine what all three of those uh, associations striking would do. So these unions, um, they're basically negotiated with the producers, which you know m- includes executives and producers working for studios. So basically the studios 
and and these unions have to come to a, uh, an agreement. And right now they uh, can't seem to be able to come to an agreement, you know, over things like pay uh, royalties for streaming content where uh, the writers feel like they haven't been uh, paid enough uh, for, for the shows. And not to mention there's other issues like um, many room, writer rooms that, that, are, uh, that, that are being taken advantage of where uh, you also have now a portion of the AI. episode TV shows used to have. Like back in the day, a full season of a show might be like 23 episodes. Now it's 13 episodes seems like the highest number you're going to get. A lot of shows on streaming services are eight or ten episodes. So writers can't make ends meet. Not, and then AI, like you said, Mags, is another concern. So the, the writers right now are the ones striking. It's a concern for the future. I don't think AI is a concern for the right now or the reason for the strike. But these deals usually are like not – they're not like a one-year deal, right? So like they want to negotiate for a number of years – so that's also like another, I mean, that's another big thing yeah. too. A lot of these writers are only being hired on. I mean, these writers used to be signed on for like five to 10 year deals. Now they're being signed on for one season of a show and then cut. Like, yeah. the, they're, they're like freelancers. They're not like staff writers anymore. They're, I they was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what yeah. I read, that they completely changed the way the, the pay is actually going to be carried on. So the biggest issue shocking. is residual checks used to pay people's rent or their mortgage residual checks now either don't exist or you're getting a residual check for two dollars like it's they're not giving people stake in what they're writing and they're completely taking advantage of writers they're making them work crazy hours i have i have really good friends in the writer's room on really popular comedy shows and they are lucky if they stay on for one season. They have, I have heard repeatedly from both of my friends that are writers on studio lots. It is a toxic environment to be in. It is not enough pay to do what I'm doing. It is way more work than what I am being paid for. And then there's no longevity in that, right? Like they, they write this show that goes on to air and is now on streaming services for the next 50 years until, you know, Netflix is replaced by something else. And even then, like, once this show goes out, people will have access to the show for the rest of, like, our time, right? There was some issue with the credits as well, right? They, um, um, they also I, decided to change the way they credit them or something yes. like that, right? There was a massive, was it HBO or Netflix? And it's, they said it was going to take Max. It was on Max. HBO Max, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Max, changed, sorry, yeah. They changed something over when they made it from HBO to Max or something. And yeah. they, they said it was going to take a few weeks or months to fix it. I don't I don't actually know what happened there. But boots on the ground here in LA, everyone is for it. But I have been seeing on like different Facebook forums, I have seen writers and really popular production workers like saying like, I'm out of work because of the strike. So I need to make money some other ways. Can I get a part-time job? And I'm seeing that like all over these Facebook groups here in LA. Um, mm, that's it, sad. It is. It is. It's, it's really... like the center of Hollywood. I mean, yeah. center of filmmaking. So I, I definitely think that COVID is not only the reason, I would say the COVID was not only the sort of 
catapult for this situation, but it also, I think, has made it a little bit easier because so many of us were out of work during COVID that right. it almost feels like it's not as hard this time around because at least they're fighting for something they want and they need. Everyone that I know of has voted in favor of the SAG uh, strike. Everyone has mm-hmm. given their authorization as far as I know, because at the end of the day, like, I don't yeah, want to they, go on. they released joint statements, joint statements and stuff. It's rare when actually yeah. like both competing um, agencies come together and agree on something that that's historic right i mean it's completely mm. historic and it it is 1000 a, a a sense of like we're fighting for our future here like as an actor what people used to get paid as a series regular plus residuals used to set you up to at least buy a house now, mm. it, even if I book a Netflix TV show, I'm not going to make any money until the second or the third season, enough to even pay my rent. Like I have friends that are series regulars on studio lots that wow. are still working catering jobs because they just aren't making enough money in order to pay all of their bills. And I mean, it's an it's an honest job catering, but at the same time, yeah. it's 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 a piss take if especially if you get to see your shows on Netflix and you know that you're, they're pulling numbers, you know they're making money, you know how much those com- um, streaming platforms are, are worth and how much money they have. Yeah, it's... Wow. Yeah. Okay. So- but, th- but then l- since the last strike, I don't know if you, if you remember, they actually did manage to do some changes and stuff. So I mm-hmm. think that also gives them some fuel because the last strike actually did bring the changes they they sort of demanded when was this Dan? was it 2007 eight it was, yeah i mean this was, was years. yeah it was basically yeah 2007 and it lasted for like six months right right it was and and that was long enough that basically people who bemoan the rise of reality tv should blame the writer's strike because the writer's strike is what caused reality tv to really take off because obviously for all that time that the writers weren't working Producers were like, where do we come up with content? And of course, back then, the streaming really wasn't a thing. So basic cable needed TV shows. And, you know, that's when reality TV really took off. Um, Now, the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers, which is (laughs) AMPTP, the the, the, studio side, basically, who negotiate with the WGA, you know, the the points that they are part on seem to be the, the fact that they're like, well, we're paying you what we're paying you because it's not like we're making, but like the, our revenue model is different than it used to be. Because right. if you're a service provider, then you are not, most of the streaming service providers don't have um, advertisements. And basically... Um, then it needs to be a bigger retainer up front. There needs exactly. to be some sort of, because they can argue this, right? But then you need to pay me more than this amount up front. Because the majority of an actor's and a writer's pay is is in residuals on back end. Like that is historically been it. So if we're no longer getting back end, but you're making all this money up front, you need to then shift the balance back. Because at the end of the day, Netflix, how much does the Netflix CEO make per year? Probably hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, I, like, it, like it including what? bonuses. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, I've well, I'm not getting a bonus. And I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. So, but here I am like adding and 
making you money, the model just has to shift. Like overall COVID really opened the door for this because that's really when Netflix streaming took off. And that's really yeah. when all of these different streaming things took off. And COVID really caused a massive shift. And so I don't even know if necessarily the last strike is as relevant as we hope it would be, because I don't think the stakes are the same as they used to be because the model overall was different pre-COVID. So it just opens up like a really, we're what, we're 34 days into the WGA strike, I think? It's been a month. Yeah, like we're, we're going well over a month strong. It's been strong. a month today. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, even the streaming, I think this is finally also not, not just COVID. I think we are finally bringing to a head issues that have been simmering for way longer than even COVID. Like yeah. with the Netflix, with all the other streaming services, it seems to have been they've always sort of said, oh, well, you know, we can't share the numbers. And they're like really all kind of up, 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 um, you know, very secretive about Can I about ask you guys something? Because yeah. as I, I mentioned to you before this discussion that like Europe is not getting that much coverage about it. But what yeah. can you say to, to the European audience? Like how can this, if, because of course, I feel so sorry for every single person in, in, in LA that's going through that and, and beyond. But how is that going to affect uh, streaming services or, um, I don't know, TV series, films and stuff? Like what, what are the dangers or of the strike? Not, not the dangers, but what's the result or you know, what can we see? What ripples say... sort of we can see? Yeah. So Hollywood is like the lead in entertainment in in the world, right? I mean, we're we have been the number one entertainment center for a very long time. Obviously, we're no longer like way above everyone else as far as that goes, but we are sort of still this pinnacle of entertainment. And the streaming services don't just affect the US. We have streaming mm. services all over the place. Like in the UK, you have the UK sort of streaming. You have streaming services everywhere. And yes. I can only imagine that companies like Netflix and Max and everything are doing not only this to the US writers and the US actors, they're doing it to everyone. So do you think there might be a um, strike happening here anytime soon? And I like the think European Netflix's headquarters. Well, I, I don't know. I think if this doesn't make enough headway, there will have to be, right? But I do mm -hmm. think everyone is sort of sitting and waiting and watching. And I think the companies and the repercussions that the companies are going to have to deal with is going to be a sort of ripple effect across the world. And I think mm -hmm. that's probably what writers in the UK and Europe and India are all waiting on, right? Is mm. how much of it is already going to be affected by what the US is doing. And hopefully right. these companies wise up before it becomes a massive situation in other headquarters. Yeah, I, I mean, and look, like people like David Zaslav, who's who's the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, they, he has said, you know, on a couple of occasions, and he's not the only one, that, you know, they have enough content in the pipeline right now, enough stuff that's far enough along the, 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 the production process and post-production are already complete that they can better a few months of this. I think where it becomes a problem is if this thing goes six months or longer than six months. I don't think mm -hmm. we're going to um, feel the effects of this at six months the way we felt the last time in 2007. Because back then, streaming well, wasn't as much a of a thing. Lot of, a lot of... Well, here's what I mean. I mean, the consumer affected. side. 
you know, yeah. like not from the, obviously the, the, the gills, the, the people who are in the unions are feeling the pain from day one. I'm talking about like, you're right, obviously like for us, where we're immediately seeing it as a consumer or as a viewer is late night shows are no longer on because those writers are striking. But well, as far as like a new show or a new movie, like it's going to take yeah. maybe a few more months for that to really start to like, oh, movies getting pushed back. Like Blade, for example, a Marvel movie, they stopped production on it. We talked about Stranger Things is not in production right now on its last season. So however, those things are still far enough away for, in terms of their release dates that right now we're mm -hmm. like, okay, well, maybe they pick it up, they'll still be. But like what happened with COVID when shows and, and, and movies, you know, could not do work for months, we eventually saw that snowball into delays, delays, delays. And all of a sudden, like, Top Gun Maverick comes out three years after it was supposed to come out, for example. But, or boy, it was worth waiting. Uh, oh. Right, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> we probably see the same thing happen here. Right. But, but like, Angelina, that the longer this goes, it not only does it, I mean, it, the studio executives aren't going to feel the pain until, like, a couple of years down the road. Because I they're both... I can tell you, as an actor here, theatrical auditions are at a standstill. Nobody's auditioning for new projects right now. Um, commercials are still rolling. Those aren't uh, nearly as affected as much. So I've been getting a lot of commercial auditions. I have not auditioned for a single theatrical thing, nor have any of my friends. For so what? So what now. is everyone doing apart from striking? Do you think they can somehow use this time to, I don't know, take the spin onto things? I don't know, rethink their options. Can writers do anything else but write? I don't know. I'm always trying to find some silver lining. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's always a time for reflection, building on yourself, building on your materials, taking a moment. The entertainment industry is one of those things where when you're on it, you're on and there's no breaks. So I'm sure it's a little bit of a respite, but, you know, financially, you got to keep the ball rolling in one way or the other. I, I mean, again, I feel like seeing those Facebook group posts really proves in a way that like, clearly not everyone is being taken care of in this mm. time and there's going to need to be a bend before it all breaks um it will massively affect the economy here in la which is already sort of at a weird tilt because of because of covid so we've already had president biden barack obama make comments about this strike because it affects the whole of California's economy, truly. Um, but also with that being said, you know, the silver lining is at the end, hopefully we come back stronger. I definitely think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I do think mm. that SAG is going to join. I do think the DAGA is going to strike. And I do think that there is going to be a massive full shutdown before it all reopens. But again, it's a fight worth fighting. And I'm really, I'm really proud of everyone Everyone I've seen, talked to, read about, everyone is on the same level. Like mm. as as entertainers here in LA in whatever form. That's beautiful. Yeah. At the end of the day, like mm. we all are standing together on this. So I'm I'm really proud of that. It's yeah. rare, right? Because yeah. very often you must compete um, you know, between one another and this time you guys stunned together united Twitter, good right like it's all, they're all work we're all working towards the same goals here yeah. even i think like from the producer sides you know i'm sure it's not like every because because when something like this happens people start to think oh yeah all the producers are out there are evil 
I don't think, you know, like they're all, <laughs> it's because both sides have their reasons for why they're not, have been able to come to an agreement. But like when things like what you mentioned earlier, Mags, which I have the article from Vox uh, up on the screen, they talk about when Max launched, they basically lumped the directors and, and writers and, and everybody into creators in terms of when they gave Creators, credit for that was everybody. it, yeah. And then the implication being that every, like all the greatest works of cinema and television of all time, like all the HBO stuff we were talking about earlier, uh, that they're just content. You know, that, that definitely pissed a lot of people off. And so that I think it's for insane. DGA, who has had a strike since 1987, they were already kind of going into negotiations with their pre-agreement offer not being accepted by the MPTP. But now like this thing happens, and that like was like uh, like you mentioned, Max, uh, a point inflection point where they sent out this a strong statement saying that we are going to stand solid in solidarity with the WGA. We can't devalue the contributions of all these people working on these shows. You know, you can't just say everybody's just a creator. I mean, if you're a writer, you're a writer. If you're a producer, if you're an executive it's producer, Stan, I mean, it know. starts. Everything starts from the story. This is like a one-on-one. That's our first class in a film school. Like how. Mm-hmm can you even try to kind of diminish it and put it into this one category? Like, well, I also think that that's really, I mean, that's at the end of the game, like day without us, you don't have a show. So mm. it's sort of like putting the power back in all of these creatives hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, I gotta be honest. I mean, look, uh, June 30th is the day uh, when the, DGA and the SAG agreements, the current agreements run out. And so they're in the process of negotiations. There aren't any agreements in place. The pre-agreement offers weren't accepted. So uh, we have talked about what's been going on recently and like some recent inflection points. It's been a month since the WGA strike started. Where is this going to go? I mean, could we end up seeing a triple strike if that happens? then Hollywood really be paralyzed because right now it's already difficult. Like nobody's willing to walk across, across picket lines and, and, you know, rightfully so. But mm. once you have all three guilds striking, that's only going to exacerbate things. And like recently, I think uh, there was a set of awards that, that, that like an award show got canceled. I know and the MTV movie or <laughs> TV awards went ahead. The Tonys. I, I think the Tonys, a, the yeah. WGA was telling the people not to attend the Tonys. And so the Tonys were also not televised for the very first yeah, time. Yeah, and wasn't it, was it the Peabody Awards? Or those, there was another whole award show that they just recently released a statement saying that they just don't feel comfortable or like they just mm-hmm. don't think it's the right time to do an award show yeah. get going on. So it's um, it's going to be something that's going to go on for a while. I'm sure we will come back to this and touch upon this again in the future and, and update you. And of course, Angelina, you are out there in LA, so you can always give us some insight into what's going on around you and, and obviously, you know, with studios, I'm sure there's picket lines, uh, uh, you know, not everywhere you go, but I'm sure you see them quite often. Yeah. Um, and, and that's got to be hard to, because it's, it's, there's a day to day reality of people not working and not being able to pay their bills. That's, that's a very serious thing. You know, it's like everybody thinks that it's not going to happen to them, but when it does, it's like you lose a job. It's very difficult to like, it's, it's, it's a really, difficult place to be psychologically that you, you don't know where your next paycheck is going to come from and how are you going to pay that bill that's about to be yeah. coming due. So we, we feel bad for everybody. Obviously, we, you know, we are in support of, you know, hopefully finding a resolution so everybody can get back to work mm. and the writers can, you know, get their due as they should because they are one of the most important parts of the creative process. And hopefully the DGA and SAG can come to an agreement too so that 
more people are not out of a job soon. Um, but yeah, we will come back to this topic in the future. Right now, we're going to take a break and then we'll be right back. We'll be talking about Transformers, Rise of the Beast that comes out next weekend. We'll be back talking about it next week, reviewing it. But right now, we just, we're, we'll, you know, we'll talk about what the initial reactions are saying about the movie. So we'll be right back after this break. Hey, Maloney. Heard about the last case. And I, I'm sorry, man. You know, it's, it's a damn shame. You know? It'd be fine if it didn't come from Frank. Gosh, I can't stand that guy. Do you know how humiliating it is to lose a case and then for someone to roast you with a dad joke? I wouldn't know. Does he do that? Yeah. Oh. Well, it sucks. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, I strongly object. <laughs> what a cock. Oh, you were just there in the courtroom, right? Oh, yeah. Did you check out Maloney's baloney? <coughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to combust. That's so... <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your sandwich. <laughs> Mortuary cosmetology degrees online with Coursera. Oh. Um, sorry, I think I cut away from that a little too early. But basically, if you guys want to check that out and so much more, that's that's episode three of Rolling uh, Late Night with Rolling Underground, and that's the cold open. Wait. So you don't have to like, you know wait very long to see it. You click on the episode; it's the very first uh, bit, and it's just it's just you know the kind of creativity you can expect from those guys. Um, we're yeah. we're big fans. Honestly, I've never. It it takes a lot to keep my my part, partner entertained, and it gets him every time. Like he loves Roland Underground. He's the biggest fan. I'm I'm actually tempted to like ask Roland to send us an autograph or something like that. Like get a little prezzy because that guy <laughs> would be so honored. Oh, honestly, we're the biggest fan. Every time the episode comes comes out, we're like, okay, let's do it. And yeah, it's biggest laughter. So guys, make sure to check it out. And it's not because it's our colleague, but it's this stuff is generally really funny. It's a really good show. Um, it is, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, hey, like it's on our YouTube channel. Also Curious, if you yeah. don't know where to find us, youtube.com slash Also Curious. If you're watching us on Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter, 
um it's it's on the youtube channel you can also i believe go on our facebook page we, we put it everywhere you know it's uh, i think they also have their own instagram account in this so they always po posting some fun tidbits um of their adventures and they'll have a new episode coming out in a few weeks time we're just at the start of june so in a couple of weeks you'll have episode four so right now you have three episodes to check out and each of those episodes is about as unique as it can get like you know there's three very different adventures i predict my is the one for the first episode, but Roland's grandparents. I think like that, that one. <laughs> You're gonna make a mess. So yeah. yeah. See, no, I'm quoting okay, this. Okay. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm so bad. Yeah, you should get something from an autograph. Like, we'll do like a whole segment where Roland's on the show and you're here, and then we'll just like do an exchange. Like, you could show the autograph uh, shirt or something. I and mean, then last, last time we reviewed a film together, I tried not to like act like a crazy fan, but I was like, <laughs> I didn't know how to tell him. You have no idea how much we love this show. It's just like, it's it's a cringe, dark humor. And that is like, it, you just can't go wrong with that. Um, so, yeah. Well done, us, I suppose. <laughs> well done, Osukirias and, and Roland. Yeah. So it's yeah. great fun. I mean, hey, we got Girls Gone Geek is coming out soon, a new show. Mm -hmm. uh, Max and Catriona are going to be on that one. So uh, we're looking forward to that too, of course. But yeah, Relate Night with Roland Underground. Check that out. Uh, that video essay from Andrew is also up on the channel right now where he talks about voice acting. And he touches upon some of the things he talked about in the WGS strike, mm. which not directly to relating to the strike itself, but the trends of the industry in general. Mm. Um, you know, we, of course, want to uh, promote that. It's, it's a great video essay. He dives into how voice work has changed over time. And, and uh, he's been doing fantastic um, of late as well. So with that, let's kind of move on to the next topic. We want to wrap up our show today by talking about Transformers Rise of the Beast, which is the newest Transformers movie, which, if I am correct, is also the seventh Transformers movie, because there were five mm. Michael Bay movies, Bumblebee that came out a few years ago, uh, right before the pandemic, and now we have had Transformers Rise of the Beast, which is basically a prequel to the Michael Bay movies, but like, a like not a sequel, direct movie. Uh, breaking out. Can yeah. you guys hear me? Yeah, now you're back. No. Okay, sorry. It seems like my internet is uh, struggling a little bit. But a little fun. What? Can you guys hear me? Am I coming in? Clear? Yeah, I can hear you. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're good now. Yeah. So as I was saying, this Transformers movie takes place in the '90s. It's a sequel, technically, to the Bumblebee film, but it's a prequel to mm. all the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Um, and so, yeah, it takes place in the 90s. You have, like, the 90s cars, the 90s clothes and everything. Anthony Ramos is in the movie. He's, like, the, the main human lead. Of course, you've got the, the Beast, who I remember watching the 90s animated show Beast Wars, which was terribly animated. But yeah. the show, uh, like, one of my favorite things at the time. And this is and where that's what a lot of... Sorry, Dan, like a lot of fans are very yeah. excited about this, that they picked oh, up yeah. on that and they spinning it. Like after reading some of the comments underneath the trailer, like you could really feel the the buzz for it. And mm -hmm. speaking of voice actors, but like Peter Cullen, right? 81 mm -hmm. and he's coming back as Optimus Prime again. Um, that, this, this 81 guy is gonna, years old. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like James Earl Jones, right? Like, they were like, yeah. oh, new Star Wars movies? Like, doesn't matter. We're going to recast everybody or, like, you know, do new people. Like, yeah, his voice of uh, Darth Vader, even for the Obi-Wan show, I believe, James Earl Jones. Didn't he voice the... Yeah. The, and, yeah, I'm like, okay, same did Darth Vader, yeah, but it, it actually touches upon something that Angelina mentioned earlier about the longevity of the actors. Mm -hmm. Voice acting can actually solve that issue because look at this guy. He's 81, yeah. but his voice is still the same. Yeah. And, yeah. Voice acting kind of... definitely have a longer life with characters, which is really mm -hmm. cool. And it's also, yeah. it creates a sense of continuity and familiarity. Like, even though you can't see the face, you will remember the the sort of sound of their voice. So yeah. always, that's always a big thing, right? When a new voice actor steps into a really old role, it's not always yeah. met with a lot of love, even though you can't see the Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Right. So it's, it's always really incredible when these voice actors are down to, you know, voice the characters for so long. It's great. Yeah. Like what I, I got to see the trailer last night and mm -hmm. without even like paying too much attention, I heard Optimus Prime and I knew that was the same actor. He that has was such like a great voice. He's yeah, iconic. Great. He's Optimus yeah. Prime to me. He's exactly. His like when he Come does in. those like monologues at the end of, of the bits, like where he goes like uh to to uh by create you're breaking their like like, <laughs> You have to say that whole my thing voice again. Just not okay. No, no, it's the uh -oh. connection. Okay. But yeah. it was staggering. I have no <laughs> idea what you said. No, I even got him. No, I was, I was saying like the the bit that he does that Optimus Prime usually does at the end of those Transformers movies is like my favorite part of the whole thing. Where mm -hmm. it's like you know like he always like, opens the movies like, and closes them. Yeah. Yeah, like those, I'm like, he's got that voice. Like, speaking of voice yeah. acting, right? Like, I love it. Like Morgan Actually, Freeman's it's, voice, right? Oh, it yeah. just sets the setting and yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm going to be anyway. sad when he does retire, though. Like, that's going to make me sad. When Optimus Prime is no longer Optimus Prime, they find a new Optimus Prime. Hmm. Any guesses? Who can they cast who has the voice? I have no idea. They're probably going to try to have to voice match him. Mm. Like, as much as possible. Well, you know, with AI, they can probably just generate... We have technology voice. for that. Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, it solves the problem. I was like, oh. So, but going back to the trailer, Dan, so you mentioned they're doing this huge no nostalgia, obviously, nod to, to, yeah. to fans. These Everyone's characters. excited. It has crazy amounts of views, too, right? Mm-hmm. It the picked trailer. up, like, over million or something it's it's definitely wow. yeah it, it's it's a movie that i think it knows that this franchise in need of some timely nostalgia but at the same time quality and so i'm glad that when you look at these first reactions like you know jermaine lucier who said that it it's right up there with the first babe with meaning like the the original transformers movie oh, wow. that and bumblebee which I think if you look at like Rotten Tomatoes, for example, those two are the highest rated Transformers movies. I personally like most of the Transformers movies. I think other than maybe the fifth one, the other four to me were like all good, but like obviously they varied. I, in fact, probably 
one of my favorite ones is the the first one with Mark Wahlberg. What was it? The one with the Age of Extinction, I think it was, or like that mm. might have been the last one, but the one before that. Was it the one um, with no, Lincoln? I, I remember Lincoln Park doing the soundtrack. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. It was such a great song. Like, like you know, like I'm that person, like for every moment that people are like, because like, I, I know that movies have product placements and stuff. Yeah. So like, there was like in that Mark Left Wahlberg. Left and right. Well, like, <laughs> weren't they weren't even shy or careful about it. Yeah. They were just, oh, that film. Fashion <laughs> yeah. or something. And then like they run through some like a Budweiser truck. And then yeah. there's like hundreds of Budweiser like uh, bottles like uh, just spilled everywhere. And Mark Wahlberg gets out of the car or something, and he just like pops one open on a door, a car door, and he drinks one and throws it like like, and he just throws an insult at some random dude. I'm like, so, all for that? Like that is fun. Like I enjoy that stuff. But most people like knock on the movies for that. I'm like, but dude, it made a billion dollars. There's clearly a lot of people. I, doing know. A- I don't know. Go ahead. Well, okay. done. So for people like me that you know maybe loved the first one or two michael bay movies but i hated the third and i haven't seen one since what which ones were your favorite which one should i watch before i go see this new one i'm actually kind of excited it's a prequel because then i feel like i can go watch bumblebee and watch this one and not have to like touch the other you know two of the four that i don't like um i would say watch bumblebee Okay. Right. Did you say you already saw Bumblebee or, or no? So I haven't seen Bumblebee. The last I saw the third Michael Bay, the third of like the original. Before that was, they... the dark... was that Dark of the Moon? The one where they have like a whole war in Chicago? I really don't remember. It was like the last one that I, I know had Shia LaBeouf in it. Uh, and... Yeah. Right. And not Megan Fox in it. Megan Fox wasn't in that one. It was. I mean, so... I haven't seen any of them beyond... I, I mean, Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, that's the only one I So I've they seen. were only in the first two. The third one replaced Megan Fox, and I didn't so like it. what yeah. happened there? Could you remind me? So oh. I think there was what? drama with Megan Fox and Michael Bay, and so they recast, yeah. essentially, her character, and they tried Fair. to... Well, they didn't recast story. it. It was a different character entirely. It was, I think yeah. it was like Rosie right. Huntington. It was even her. Up and her coming. role was replaced. Yeah. Different role. But... I would say if you want to watch like any of these movies before going to see the new one, watch Bumblebee, in which I think John Cena was great. Um, um, and then um, Haley Steinfeld was the lead. She was fantastic. I actually like her, yeah. She's so, fantastic in Spider-Man, by the way. She, she, um, she does is? the voice of the Gwen, right? Yeah. So Gwen she, she's really up there. So I would say go watch Bumblebee because that's like story-wise it comes before this one. So it will give you, I mean, it's more focused on Bumblebee specifically as the title would imply, but it's, it's, it's honestly one of the better movies for this franchise and it's going to give you a good ground level in, you know, knowledge of where this movie's going and, and not directly because the story of this movie doesn't quite connect to the other one but you do get an introduction to bumblebee and it's it's very heartfelt then i would watch if you i mean you said you already seen the original michael bay movie so if you want to go back and rewatch that that gives you some mm-hmm. level of like context into like oh that's what optimus prime looks like which i'm sure you know what optimus prime looks like optimus but you know is. what <laughs> well, like is maybe a, cartoons. so it, it mean, gives you a nice introduction because now you've got the two movies that kind of sit on each side of this one, story-wise. If you want to watch any of the ones after that, I would personally say if you 
the, the third of those movies is 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 a good one. Um, Dark of the Moon, I believe. The third the of the one, one is the room in the, the one without. No, I know, but like it's 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 honestly probably one of the best ones in terms of the action and stuff. I personally like the fourth one, Age of Extinction, where Mark Wahlberg's character comes in mm-hmm. because Mark Wahlberg just adds entertainment value to whatever he is in. So yeah. even though the script wasn't the greatest and um you know, the story the movie's long. It's very long. I every time I try to watch that Age of Extinction, I start to like roll my eyes in the third act because the third act is so long and so heavy. Also, the fact that you speak of the movie in terms of acts just tells me how long it is. Like, that's insane. (laughs) It is. But, like, look, the new one, if you look at these reactions, like Brandon Davis, who I believe works for, like, comicbook.com, and he's one of those main big websites. He liked it. I mean, and we've seen some of the other reactions. It looks like this is really pulling those, you know, heartstrings for people who watch the Transformers shows on in the 90s and the 80s, the animated stuff. Um, yeah, I and I mean, me, you know? clearly me and Angelina are not even the target audience and it's still yeah. managed to like tickle our interest in some way because I think the trailer is well done. It actually gives gives enough and... The trailer didn't quite hit me the same way. Like I, I think the trailer for, trailers for me have been underwhelming, but I really? honestly... I, 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 yeah. I enjoyed the Bumblebee appearance like the last two seconds of the trailer i thought it was really nice and it's 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 fun it has its moments i'm just saying i've seen way better trailers this year um so yeah of course no in a grand scale of things but if you you know if you hear transformers franchise another one your expectations are kind of low i would have skipped i would probably i wouldn't have clicked on it on youtube if it was i mean i'm I'm also a fan of like practical gunpowder explosions that michael bay loves because i'm like they just look cool on camera so i just like i think the transformers movies without michael bay don't quite have the same touch of all that practical mayhem that he likes to do um but again like you know or as some people like to call it bayham um so i miss the bayham but um outside of that (laughs) Yeah, no, you've that, used that, that term before. I don't know when, but oh saying, my god, you have. We were, we were discussing the ambulance movie that Michael Bay made last yes, year. Yes, the yeah. Bayham. Yep, that was it. I was like, I've heard that before. My That's god, the thing. not, not Baywatch, not Mayhem. It's Bayham. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. that. <laughs> on that note, I, th- I think I think we have reached the conclusion of this show. I think we, th- before I start making any more references that are you know not very timely or uh, fun. Um, all right, so it's been fun. This this show um, you know has been fun. Um, we are back after six months. We did it very differently than we used to. Uh, hopefully, you guys had fun with it. Uh, of course, we're going to be watching Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and we'll be talking about it next week. We'll probably be talking about you know other stuff too. Let's see what happens. Maybe we'll discuss the Flash. Or whichever movie's coming out the week after next week. After, I think the Flash so is exciting. Week, or it's, it's, I have to look at the calendar again. It's, what it's are you getting... guys? What are you looking forward to the most? Like top two movies: Mission this... Impossible Seven. Mm-hmm. And for me, oh, it God, has to I... be Oppen... Oppenheimer. Actually, I mean, Chris... Oppenheimer is up there, but I'm really, really interested in the Flash. Like it's. I would put oh. Oppenheimer and Barbie like on the same level, but, which is ironic because they both come out the same weekend. But yeah, I'm wow. looking forward to all of those. 
Yeah, Oppenheimer and, and Barbie, I'd say. I'm just interested. And it's great to I'm go I'm excited away. about Barbie. Huge I, I just yeah. because I think it's going to be utterly hilarious. I just really, I need to see these little icons come to life. Yeah. Needless no, to I, say, we'll I, cover it. <laughs> but like, remember the new trailer? They're like, hey, um, they're dancing. And then she's like, did, did any of you think, guys think about like, die, like dying or something? Like something like yeah. that. It just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Red thing that just comes out of nowhere, um, but yeah, all right, guys. Well, that's it for the show. Let's let's wrap this thing up. We'll be back again next week. We'll be talking about uh, Transformers and so much more after that. Um, and yeah, until then, it's been also curious. Stay curious, guys. Have a good one. Bye, guys. <laughs>